tripped up on that very last audible trial audible triable <laughs> audible trial.com And welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joseph Strowski. And I'm Todd Mack. How are you doing, Todd? I am well. Uh, still basking in the glory of my of my past victories. <laughs> For our listeners, this is going to be a couple of weeks ago, Todd. <laughs> I know. Well, but I'm still basking in I'm it. I'm still simmering. <laughs> uh, if uh, you're wondering what we're talking about, listeners, please listen back to our special Mother's Day episode. Which, spoiler warning, did not go my way. <laughs> and which we may or may not have recorded about an hour ago. <laughs> yes, just before this one. Uh, but today, we are not talking about mothers. We are talking about Jeff Winger from the sitcom community, as well as several other characters we're going to touch on, just because it is a massive ensemble <laughs> in this show. Uh, and we're specifically going to be talking about two episodes, the season two episode, Conspiracy Theories and Interior Design, and the season three episode, Remedial Chaos Theory. The first episode was written by Chris McKenna and Dan Harmon and directed by Adam Davidson. The second episode was also written by Chris McKenna and Dan Harmon, but that one was directed by Jeff Melman. Uh, and... A uh, quick spoiler-free synopsis of what happens in this show and in these two episodes. The series revolves around a study group that has become a pseudo-family at a community college. Um, and in these particular episodes, in Conspiracy Theories and Interior Design, Jeff Winger is taking a fake course about conspiracy theories that leads him to unravel a conspiracy theory. Uh, <laughs> while simultaneously, Troy and Abed build a blanket fort in the dorm. In Remedial Chaos Theory, uh, that episode explores different timelines that are shown as a result from different members of the study group going to pay the pizza guy. <laughs> it shows a different outcome for depending on which one leaves the table. And if that sounds interesting, you can order this series on DVD by going to protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon. And I do recommend the DVDs because they did a commentary for every single episode. Wow. I don't, I've not heard them all, but I just know that's one of the bonus things, and I think that's dedication. To <laughs> just remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash protagonist. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or your MP3 player. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, please take advantage of those offers. Also, I will say uh, all of Community is streaming on Hulu, so if you have a Hulu membership, you can find... Well, I guess all the series is not on Hulu. <laughs> we'll talk about the mysterious sixth season of, oh. of Community. Uh, five seasons are available on Hulu. The sixth season is available on Yahoo. Screen. And just uh, for the, for for people keeping score at home, so this is season two, episode nine, conspiracy theories and interior design, and season three, episode four or three. It was uh, meant to be the third episode, but they were aired out of order. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Remedial chaos theory. Okay. You got some trivia for us. I do. Uh, uh, before you get into trivia, this episode's also brought to us by a patron. Oh, yes. Who donated through patreon.com slash protagonist. Yes. So thank you to listener John, who uh, donated again at patreon.com slash protagonist. Yes? Yes. <laughs> yes. You need to make a little sticky note. And put it on your computer. It's just sometimes the web address is first slash protagonist, and sometimes it's protagonistpodcast.com slash whatever the website is. It's hard. Life is hard, guys. Uh, so, yes, thank you to Lister John for uh, supporting us and for choosing this show, which I had on our to-do list. So I guess before we get to trivia, Todd, uh, real quick, uh, how did you come to community? My students are always making uh, jokes about community. <laughs> I had never seen a full episode until today when yeah. I watched these two, and um, they're pretty funny. I had seen at some point or other, I, I didn't watch them when they were airing, but I've seen all five seasons that aired on NBC, and I've not yet seen the sixth season that was done for Yahoo, and we'll talk about that when we get to the trivia. Uh, so I was pretty familiar with this. Uh, friends from Michigan who I believe Ben listens to this, so listener Ben, lent me the DVD, I believe, or it might have been Rachel. But both of them were recommending it. <laughs> so I got my hands on the first couple seasons, and then I watched, like, one or two when they were airing, and now there's a sixth season that is out there. Uh, and my first bit of trivia talks about the troubled production history of Community. We could probably do an entire podcast episode about the insanity that went on behind the scenes of this show. In uh, The showrunner is named Dan Harmon, the creator of the show. And mostly showrunner. 
Um, he has a very strong personality and he is very creative and he wants his vision. And if you've ever read anything about network television, that maybe isn't always the best home <laughs> for <laughs> extremely creative people that want their vision to be what ends up on screen. And if you actually go back and watch the pilot episode, it kind of seems like a backdoor where he's sneaking in a show onto NBC. Cause the, the pilot episode is a pretty straightforward sitcom uh, about uh, a group of people that all end up at community college for different reasons. They're all different ages. They're all at different situations in life and then they kind of form a pseudo family. And it's a pretty straightforward premise and sitcom. And there's not really all that much that is distinctive about it from a lot of other sitcoms that you'd see. But by the end of the first season, it is this, uh, very self-referential postmodern, <laughs> um, uber creative, uh, throwing anything, you know, genre matching, anything at all will go. And that, you know, that's within the course of the season. It goes from a pretty classic basic setup that doesn't have anything weird going on to every joke probably has three layers happening about a commentary of what's happening with Dan Harmon at NBC, a joke about where the characters are at at that moment and a joke about the human condition all happening simultaneously. <laughs> nah. And so within this fractious relationship, that he had uh, the fourth season, he was removed as showrunner. He was fired uh, by NBC or got himself fired because of a very public rant. He went on <laughs> about NBC oh, uh, and he was replaced in the fourth season fans uh, like, like community was never a huge hit, but it had a very loyal and dedicated following. So mm-hmm. one of those uh, small audience, but never going to miss an episode versus a large audience that never talks about it kind of thing. Uh, and they were really upset about the fourth season, which didn't have quite the same tone. It tried, but it didn't have, uh, necessarily the heart or it, it, like something was missing. And so then NBC brought Dan Harmon back <laughs> for the, wow. for the fifth season. And in the first episode, they start to refer to the gas leak year that happened at the community college and no one remembers what happened. <laughs> <laughs> And, and they, they, they say that explains all the weird things that the characters did. Wow. <laughs> I think that was out of character. Uh, and then also, so then NBC canceled it finally after almost canceling it many times in its first five years, they canceled it at the end of the fifth season, but there was a long running gag in the show from the second season of community. Ovid, uh, is a character that loves pop culture and he becomes a huge fan of a show that's going to be premiering on NBC called the Cape which was a real show that was going to air on NBC and Aved becomes obsessed with this show. That's about a pseudo superhero that uses a Cape to do fantastic things. And, uh, Jeff Winger keeps yelling at Aved. It's going to be canceled after four episodes and Aved keeps yelling. It's going to be six seasons in a movie. <laughs> and so six seasons in a movie became the rallying cry of the fans of community. Uh, Jeff, <laughs> Jeff was right. Cape was canceled after like four episodes. <laughs> I remember that show, the Cape. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe NBC let them make a joke about <laughs> another NBC show like that. Yeah. Uh, while it was, ha- you know, that show was premiering while Abed was making it, you know, <laughs> becoming a fan of it. And Jeff Winker was saying it's only the last four episodes. They wow. get away with, with several references to other NBC shows. At some point, Abed becomes obsessed with Cougar Town. Yes. And, oh, and yeah. goes to the set and is in the background. And there's an episode where he's in the background but of as a shot. Not, but as Abed. Like, he's, yeah. he's a walk-on. <laughs> in Cougar Town? Yes. Yes. Like, wow. like so there's a crossover. Community gets a walk-on part on Cougar Town. And in an episode of Cougar Town, he walks by in the background. Wow. How cool. Um, <laughs> and so then, uh, again, it had a very small, dedicated, but very vocal audience. And uh, Yahoo Screen was trying to get a name for themselves as a streaming service and no one knew it even existed. So they paid for a sixth season of community that's only available on Yahoo's screen. Wow. <laughs> Which, uh, now that there are six seasons, the fans want the movie that Abed kept yelling about. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll probably, if nothing else, just put it on Kickstarter sometime. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, th- and there's so much more that, that went on behind the scenes and all the back and forth, but just kind of a crazy large scale trivia could be given about community. Uh, but specifically for these episodes, um, former guest of the show, John, my brother, <laughs> he has the DVDs. I don't. And so he went and listened to the commentaries on these and sent me a whole bunch of trivia about these specific episodes. So among these conspiracy theory and interior design, uh, shocking, there was behind the, <laughs> behind the scenes scheduling and scripting drama, uh, that delayed lots of things. And, um, the third act was written basically right before they started filming it. <laughs> And they didn't know what it, how it was going to end before they started filming it. A couple other things. Um, the creators often praise the art and props department for being able to put together anything that they asked for very quickly. And the blanket fort in this episode is an example of that. It's a pretty <laughs> astounding blanket fort that they have. That's awesome. Just uh, one thing that uh, producer Andrew noted, that there's an exchange in Polish. 
Uh, and this, and it's good Polish. Abed speaks good Polish. <laughs> yeah, he's, the the actor Danny Pudi is half Polish, and, uh, and it's all accurate. It's exactly what they say it is. Yeah. A uh, <laughs> couple bits of trivia for remedial chaos theory. This episode it got moved around the schedule because of how long it took to film it. Uh, it was way over time, and so they actually like filmed it, you know, like filmed one of the timelines, and then they'd have to start working around uh, other episodes that they had to be filming, and they'd come back and film another timeline. You'd think they just get all done at once, but it was. Uh, apparently one of the more difficult episodes to, to produce and it, they needed extra time to edit it, which is why it aired out of order. So some lists, it's the third episode, some lists, it's the fourth episode of the season. And, uh, the troll's name from that episode is named Torg and became a fixture on the set. <laughs> Just as a side note. Um, and one other bit of trivia, Jim Rash plays Dean Pelton as this very broad, <laughs> hyper emotional character that is played like at the extreme edges of believability for the, for laughs. He is so funny. So, in, so funny uh, in this. Yeah. He is hilarious. And, uh, he started as a bit character and became a staple character, um, became part of the main cast, which community is another one of those shows that builds a huge B and C lists of characters that are recurring. Uh-huh. Um, and Jim Rash though, uh, though you may only know him as the incredibly crazy Dean of a community college is an Oscar winner for his writing. For really? It. Yeah. He's a screenwriter and he won best adapted screenplay in 2011, I believe. Wow. Yeah. Oh, and I guess one other thing, uh, Richard Erdman is the actor who plays Leonard, who's this old man that's at the community college. <laughs> he just does flyby cameos. Um, he's been doing television since 1952, and pretty much if you can name a show, he probably had a cameo on it. He is wow. an incredibly long worker in Hollywood. Uh, this is a he's piece probably of- like besties with uh, Betty White. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a piece of trivia that they mentioned in some of the other commentaries, and I don't know if this is consistent with, with other shows on television, but the writers, uh, there was a deal that if you invent a character in an episode of community and that character comes back in another episode, you get a bonus. Yeah. This is a guild issue where anytime that character appears from then on, you get a check. Yeah. And so in community, lots of people get a lot of checks because they build these, <laughs> yes. these peripheral characters that come back all the time. And in, there's some episodes that have all of these characters mm-hmm. and so the checks are just flying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like a life changing check. It's just like, Oh, nice. They used my character again. Uh, the dream for any writer is Frasier. <laughs> Frasier Crane, <laughs> who was introduced for what was supposed to be like a three-episode arc on Cheers and stuck oh, around yeah. for 10 years and then 11 years of his own show. Wow. All right. All right. Well, Todd, You ready for a full synopsis here? You have the synopsis this week, and I'm really excited to hear. This show is crazy. It is glorious, um, absurdist humor. I, I love it, uh, how out there they're able to go for their humor, but I did not envy you the task of trying to summarize this <laughs> this kind of humor. <laughs> Well, you did, uh, you did get the night circus, so <laughs> that was pretty epic. A summer uh, so long, it got split into two episodes. Yes, that will not happen tonight. I Before I jump into this, I wanted to mention uh, that uh, listeners interested in supporting the show can go to protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon, and any purchases, the purchases they make there, uh, we get a little kickback from. So uh, hop on over to protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon, and you could pick up something like a submersible sewage pump, which one of you listeners bought in uh, in uh, the recent uh, last few weeks. And we want to say thank you. Whoever bought the submersible sewage pump, thanks. We got a little kickback from it. Yeah. So the way it works, we just get a small percentage of the sale price that Amazon's taking in, but Amazon sends us a list. No names attached. We have no idea who bought the submersible <laughs> sewage pump, uh, but we get a list of what products have been bought and uh, what percentage uh, we're, we're getting just to help us with our web hosting fees and uh, other costs that are associated with doing this podcast. So thank you to all the listeners who are using that link. One horsepower, 460 volts, 53 feet, submersible sewage pump. Check it out. I think... Probably only one listener has bought that, <laughs> and they know who they are. <laughs> Thank you, listener. And we hope it worked out. Yes. <laughs> we hope it worked out. <laughs> Hasn't been returned yet, so. <laughs> All right. Uh, community, conspiracy theories, and interior design. Dean Pelton prints out Jeffrey Winger's transcript. He has an evil look in his eye. In one of the classes, uh, Annie is showing the other students a diorama that she made showing a brighter tomorrow through renewable energy, complete with animals wearing sunglasses, because, as Abed points out, it's a brighter tomorrow. Just as real classes... quick, this is the study hall is where they're at for that okay. scene. Right. They use that's their go-to set. Okay. Uh, as class is ending, Abed and Troy discuss their pending sleepover and the blanket fort they are going to build. They invite a pretty girl named Britta, but she seems like she's too cool for that. 
then Dean Pelton comes in. He has been looking over Jeff's transcript and informs uh, him. Uh, and Jeff seems to have a reputation as being a slacker. Uh, and Dean informs him that he will not be receiving credit for his independent study class entitled Conspiracy Theories in U.S. History, uh, which he apparently took with a professor, Professorson. Jeff tells the dean that he will prove that the class was real. Uh, meanwhile, Abed and Troy have built a blanket fort in their dorm room, uh, but they both agree but they're, that they're too big for it. So they decide to bump up the square footage and make it a blanket fort for men. Uh, now, Jeff takes Dean and An- the dean and Annie to the office where he claims to have been meeting with Professor Professorson, but it's a supply closet. Uh, the dean claims Jeff is lying. Jeff supposes uh, then that this must be the final exam, a real conspiracy. Uh, then just, just then, a man comes out of an adjoining room and tells the dean that his name is Professor Professorson. He even shows uh, the dean his faculty ID card uh, and tells him he teaches night school. That's why they don't know each other. The dean is shocked. So is Jeff. <laughs> uh, he later confides to Annie that he doesn't know who that Professorson is. Uh, he had made up the idea of Professor for Professorson completely. Uh, Annie kind of wants to dig into this. Jeff tells her, don't worry about it. He's just going to blow it off because he doesn't want – he doesn't want uh, – to lose the credit. Uh, now, Pavel pokes his head into Abed and Troy's room, and he sees this amazing blanket fort. He gets really excited and asks if he can come in, and Abed asks him how many pillows and blankets he has. Now, Annie is picking up her diorama to take to the Biodioramarama. Uh, Jeff comes to help out, uh, and it turns out she's been playing detective and looking into the night school. Uh, she got her hands on a faculty directory and found out that Professorson's name is not really Professor Professorson. It's Professor Woolley. And he does teach night school. Uh, they, they both, uh, assume now that there is a dark, vast conspiracy. And then Jeff receives a phone call, uh, telling him to tell Annie to lay off the investigation or things could get explosive, uh, in this intense slow motion move. He tackles her to the ground just as there's this tiny little explosion underneath the little car on Annie's diorama. <laughs> Uh, and Jeff informs Annie that they will be going to the night school that night. In the dorms now, the fort is growing. It meanders all through the hallway and in and out of people's rooms. All of the students seem to be involved. Now Jeff and Annie are poking around in the night school. All of the classes have fake names, like and these are these are the names on the on the list: History of Something, Learning Exclamation Point, Introduction to Basics, <laughs> Principles of Intermediate, Studiology. And class 101. Real quick, Todd, do you have a favorite fake class from that list? <laughs> I like learning exclamation point. <laughs> I also like history of something. <laughs> like the uh, introdu- introduction to basic? Was that? Introduction to basics and principles of intermediate. Yes, introduction to basics, I think, is my favorite. <laughs> they're, all, they're all pretty fantastic, That'd class 101. That would be fun in the writer's room to spitballing these. Yes. Uh, so then they run into Pro- Professor Professorson, and they ask if they can sit in on his class, but then he bolts. So they're chasing him through the halls, and then he dives into this now ginormous blanket fort. So they're on this hands-and-knees, high-speed chase through the blanket fort, and they run into Abed uh, and Troy, who welcome them to Floppy Town. Uh, they they uh, let them know that the rules are no smoking, no farting, and no pillow fighting. Uh, Abed and Troy join in the chase. Uh, but then uh, Troy recommends that afterwards they check out Floppy Town's Civil Rights Museum. Um, there's apparently a memorial tunnel somewhere for, for one of the students' moms. They chase Wooly through the Turkish, Turkish, Turkish district. Say that five times fast. The Turkish district. Uh, but they lose him when they're cut off by a Latvian independence parade. All right, real quick. Um, the Latvian Independence Day Parade. Uh, it was a bit of trivia that my brother had sent along. Uh, this episode aired on actual Latvian Independence oh my Day. Gosh. That's how they chose. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know how with the crazy schedule and the shifting of dates, but they figured it out and plugged that in. Wow. Uh, so then uh, Jeff finally tackles Wooly, who says, I will take you to show you what's really going on. So he takes them to this room full of printers uh, and computers. And he informs them that this is the night school, this room full of printers and printers printing out reams of paper. This is the night school. It's completely made up, quote, from the lips of a ghost in the shadow of a unicorn's dream, close quote. Uh, he was a student who invented a fake course. In order to keep the lie going, he had to make more and more lies until he had fabricated the entire night school, complete with fake professors and fake students. Uh, by now, Jeff realizes that Dean Pelton must be behind this completely f- and, and completely fabricated the whole thing. Wooly is not a night school professor. 
uh, he is actually a drummer professor named Sean Garrity. Uh, and, and so now Garrity fesses up to the crime. So Annie wants to call the dean, uh, but Jeff has another plan. He asks Garrity, who was previously Wooly, who was previously Professorson, if there are fake guns in the theater department. He wants to show the dean that Jeff Winger never learns anything. So they call the dean into one of the classrooms. Uh, Jeff tells the dean that Professorson is not Professorson, but Wooly, and that he has been conning the school. But uh, now that the dean has been caught in his own con, he says, oh, I believe in second chances. Then Annie pulls a gun from her blouse and shoots Wooly. The dean is shocked by this, and he pulls out a gun and shoots Annie. So now Jeff freaks out, telling the dean that it was a fake gun, and that that Annie had used to shoot uh, Wooly, and now Je- Jeff pulls out a gun and shoots the dean. Now Annie gets <laughs> now Annie gets up and starts yelling at Jeff. She tells him that she was in on this from the beginning with the dean. She's totally distraught. But Jeff tells her that he just wanted to teach her a lesson in how she was being a crummy, crummy friend in teaming up with the dean to try to teach him a lesson. So he and the dean are now actually in on everything. So now Jeff. And the dean lecture Annie on how to be a good friend, but she pulls out another gun. Jeff says he knows this has to be real because there are only three prop guns. Then she shoots him three times in the chest, Jeff. Uh, Now the dean at this point is completely freaking out. He's weeping. Uh, She asks him, why did he do this? He says, I'm so confused. I just teamed up with whoever suggested it. (laughs) Now Jeff stands up and says he's glad to hear that the dean uh, has admitted his wrongdoing. Now Professor Sun, Professor, Professor Sun, Wooly, or Garrity, uh, wakes up and says, okay, show's over. He collects all the guns, but wait, a police officer barges into the room and shoots Garrity in the chest with a shotgun. Because he's holding but, the guns. Because <laughs> he's holding all the guns. And now everyone's freaking out. Uh, it turns out that that was fake as well. This is a real police officer who just wanted to show the Dean and Jeff and Annie that guns aren't toys. By now, the dean is curled up in a fetal position, rocking back and forth with his hood hoodie pulled up over his head. He's, like, nearly catatonic. <laughs> uh, and now, epilogue. Uh, someone lets Troy Wait, and Abed... Wait, did we make clear that Professor Sim was not shot? <laughs> I can't remember if that was made clear. Uh, no, he was not shot. Yeah. Uh, this was fake. So this all of the gunshots were fake. Everyone is still alive. Uh, in the epilogue, someone lets Troy and Abed know that people are now building giant blanket forts on campuses all over the country. Angry that they have now become mainstream, the two men destroy their fort and decide it's time to build a cardboard submar- submarine. The end. Okay. So there's one 20-minute <sighs> episode of television. That's one 20-minute episode. <laughs> uh, next, uh, remedial chaos theory. This is season three, episode four. Troy, I'm going to do my best with this. Uh, <laughs> Troy... <laughs> Troy and Abed have uh, moved out of the dorms and into an apartment, and they're holding a housewarming party with the usual crowd, so their study group. So we have the characters that you met last episode, Abed, Troy, Jeff, Annie, and Britta. And uh, we also have Pierce, who's played by Chevy Chase, and Shirley, who is a woman who likes uh, baking things. Um, I should also mention that Pierce has brought a bottle of Serbian rum, which is so strong that it's banned in Serbia. (laughs) (laughs) And he also has a gift. And I should also mention that there's a diorama-type replica of the boulder scene from Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it's close to the door, and if you slam the door, then the boulder rolls down the track. Might, and, might matter. Th- this may, this may uh, be important in the future. So during a rousing game of Yahtzee, the pizza delivery person shows up, and, and he buzzes to get in. Um, and the, uh, apparently like the buzzer from inside the house is broken. So somebody has to go out of the room down the stairs and open the door for the pizza person. Uh, Jeff immediately comes up with a plan. He will roll a die and starting with the person directly to his left as number one, the person whose number is rolled will have to go and let the delivery person in. Have I explained that clearly? I think so. Okay. Uh, just before he rolls, Abed reminds him <laughs> that he is now opening up six different timelines to which Jeff replies, sarcastically, of course I am, Abed. So he rolls. Uh, Jeff rolls a two, and Annie goes out, uh, down for the pizza. Now, Britta plugs her iPod into like a like an iHome, the speaker system, and it starts playing the song Roxanne. Roxanne! That Roxanne. one. And Jeff cuts her off before she can sing. Then Pierce starts bragging about a strange uh, intimate encounter he had once had. Um, Shirley checks on her pies. Britta goes to the bathroom. Troy finds a pistol in Annie's purse. Jeff stands up to get a drink and hits his head on a ceiling fan. Nobody wants to eat Shirley's pies. 
Abed tells Britta that it smells weird in the bathroom. Annie returns, and as they eat pizza, Abed muses, huh, I wonder what happened in those other timelines. To which Jeff replies, Abed, there are no other timelines. Cut. The buzzer rings again, and we're back playing Yahtzee. And it's time for timeline number two. Jeff rolls a four. Shirley gets up and leaves and asks everyone to take out her pies so they won't burn. Jeff tells them they can't eat the pies. Uh, Britta puts on the music. Jeff won't let her sing. Pierce brags about his uh, amorous encounter. Uh, he gives a gift to Troy. It's a traditional Norwegian troll that freaks Troy out. Because apparently they lived together for a while in a mansion, and the troll was really scary for Troy. Is that... Yeah, yeah. yeah. For a while, uh, uh, Troy Jeff... was living there, and I think it said the troll was outside of his bedroom, and Troy thought it was like, watching, watching him sleep. It. Yeah. Uh, so now Jeff stands up and hits his head on the ceiling fan. Shirley returns with the pizza, but nobody took the pies out of the oven. They have burned. Here, real quick. let's For our listeners, can we paint a word picture of this troll? <laughs> no. The troll, it looks like a, it kind of looks like a, like a garden gnome, oh, only uh, way scarier. The, uh, and the 1980s troll with the crazy hair, the toy. Oh yeah, like a Cupid doll. Uh huh. Yeah, it's 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 very strange and very scary. Long, kind of like like a long Pinocchio nose and kind of wispy hair, and it's got this green skin. It's very it's real it's big creepy. eyes, creepy googly yeah. eyes, great big googly eyes. Uh, so Jeff tells Shirley nobody is going to eat the pies because he says you're not allowed to have baking things as an identity. To which Shirley replies, excuse me for being the only married woman in a group full of horny toads who sit around all night just making googly eyes at each other, to which everyone responds by looking at each other <laughs> with googly eyes. Uh, Shirley leaves uh, uh, crying and slamming the door. Cut. Next timeline. Uh, Jeff rolls a number three. It's Pierce's turn to leave. Uh, Shirley checks on the pies. Britta goes to the bathroom. Annie compliments Troy on the house. Troy goes to the bathroom and finds Britta smoking something that's not a cigarette. <laughs> uh, he sits down and joins her by pulling out a candy cigarette. They have a heart-to-heart -heart about how Jeff is always picking on Troy for being immature. Uh, Jeff hits his head on the fan. Annie and Jeff go to the kitchen and flirt. Shirley tries to push her mini pies onto them. Uh, Troy and Britta bond. Pierce returns with the pizza. Everyone is happy. Next timeline. Uh, Jeff rolls a number six, and Britta leaves. Uh, Pierce brags about his conquests. Shirley checks on the pies. Jeff hits his head on the fan. Annie and Jeff go to the bathroom uh, to check out the head wound. Uh, Jeff tells Annie she is important to him, but, and they're just about to kiss, but then Troy starts screaming because he has opened up the gift with the troll. Pierce is, is holding it, threatening him. Uh, Britta returns with the pizza delivery guy and tells everyone that she and the, and the pizza guy are in love and they're going to get married. Cut. Next timeline. Jeff rolls a number one. Uh, now Troy says he will go... He said, I'm going to go as fast as I can so I won't miss anything. Okay, here we go. He runs out the door and slams it, setting the Indiana Jones boulder into motion. Uh, Pierce does his usual bragging. The boulder hits the floor and starts to roll. Uh, Britta tries to sing. Jeff cuts her off. She goes to the bathroom. Jeff hits his head on the fan. Annie stands up to help him, steps on the boulder and falls, falls on a table, sending uh, this table flying through the air along with the bottle of Serbian rum, which shatters on the floor. Pierce stands up, knocks over the gift, which knocks over the purse, which falls on the floor, which sets the gun. It shoots the gun, which fires and hits Pierce in the leg. Monty Python blood is spurting everywhere. <laughs> Britta comes back out of the bathroom with, with her not-a-cigarette in her mouth. When she sees the scene of chaos before her, the not-cigarette falls out of her mouth onto the puddle of Serbian rum, which catches on fire. Jeff takes off his shirt, tries beating out the flames. Britta grabs water to throw on it, just as Troy walks in with the pizza and stares into the eyes of the, of the Norwegian troll burning in the flames. Next timeline. Uh, Jeff rolls a five, and Abed leaves. Pierce brags. Britta goes to the bathroom. Jeff hits his head. Jeff and Annie head to the kitchen. Britta comes out of the bathroom and asks what smells amazing. Shirley uh, takes her the pies. Britta loves them. Troy and Pierce start to bond. Uh, Jeff and Annie start to bond. Then Britta tells Shirley that she wasn't supposed to eat the pies because they had all made an agreement. Then she tells her she wasn't supposed to say that, but that she's higher than a kite. Uh, Shirley, uh, wearing a he is risen apron, freaks out <laughs> because because uh, because Britta was smoking a not cigarette. Uh, Jeff and Annie start to kiss in the kitchen. Pierce decides he doesn't want to give the troll gift to Troy because because they've kind of bonded, and so he tries to take it back. But Troy wants to see what it is. He thinks it sounds like something fun. <laughs> 
Shirley cannot believe that she's feeding her pies to a drug addict, to which Britta responds that Shirley is a pie pusher, pushing her pies to get love. Annie breaks off the kiss and tells Jeff that something he said reminded her of her dad. When she tries to resume the the kiss, Jeff tells her, less dad talk and ease up on the bubblegum lip gloss. The gift breaks open. Troy sees the scary troll. Abed walks in with the pizza, and Shirley calls Britta a godless hippie skink. Uh, Abed tells everyone he hopes this is the real timeline because he just found a nickel in the hallway. (laughs) Next timeline. Jeff uh, tries to roll, but Abed catches the die in midair and says he doesn't think they should roll. He continues, chaos already dominates enough of our lives. The universe is an endless raging sea of randomness. Our job isn't to fight it, but to weather it together on the raft of life, a raft, a raft held together by those few rare, beautiful things that we know to be predictable. When Britta wonders what those predictable things are, Abed replies, us. It won't matter what happens to us as long as we stay honest and accepting of each other's flaws and virtues. Annie will always be driven. Shirley will always be giving. Pierce will never apologize. Britta's sort of a wild card from my perspective. And Jeff will forever remain a conniving son of a gun. Uh, so that's end of quote. Uh, so there are six sides of the die and, uh, and seven of the, of the students in the, in the study group. Uh, Jeff wasn't ever going to have to go cause it would have been, uh, they would, he would have had to roll a seven. Uh, so they're all mad at him and they send him. He goes for the pizza, hits his head on the fan. Uh, but since he's gone, Britta is now able to sing and all, everybody starts dancing. Uh, Pierce decides to throw the gift away and not give it to, uh, to Troy. Everyone is happy. Jeff comes back and pretends to be annoyed, but he actually looks kind of happy. Epilogue. The gang is sitting around at table at the school. Shirley is totally drunk. Abed says this is the darkest timeline. Britta points out that this is reality, and it's bad. Shirley is a drunk. Pierce is insane. Jeff lost his arm in the fire. Annie's insane. uh, Pierce is dead. Oh, Pierce is dead? Yes. He dies from the leg wound. He dies from the leg wound. (laughs) That's That's right. Okay, Pierce is dead. Annie is insane. Jeff lost his arm in the fire, and Troy lost his larynx because he tried to destroy a burning troll by eating it. She even she even has a washaway blue streak in her hair. <laughs> Abed blames himself for not stopping Jeff from rolling the die. He declares that they are all evil. This is the darkest timeline. He's made them all fake goatees out of felt uh, to wear, and their new goal is for them to go back to the prime timeline, kill the versions of them that are there, and take their places. Jeff tells Abed uh, that he hates him. Everyone storms out except Troy, who also puts on his black felt goatee. Phoenix. <laughs> Excellent job with that summary, Todd. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that was a, uh, just no listeners. I think Todd did a great job summarizing it, but the performances are amazing. They are. <laughs> they're, real, they're good. Dean uh, and, and Troy, I think, give some great performances that just add comedy to what is already a funny situation that they're in. When uh, Troy in the multiple timeline episode is fighting Pierce because Pierce has decided he doesn't want to give Troy the gift. And he's yelling things like, I demand to be housewarmed. It's, uh, I can never not crack up. It sounds fun. Uh, yeah, I may or may not have watched this while my students were taking their final and I had a hard time not, um, just laughing. <laughs> I mean, the front of the class, uh, I had my, I had my earbuds in, so it was okay. Um, I have a, I have a question for you. So we said that we're going to talk about Jeff, and I think we will talk about Jeff, but I have, I have a question about this and other sitcoms in general. So sitcom is the term that we use to describe all of these, these kinds of shows. They're situation comedies, where theoretically the comedy is derived from the situation. Do you feel like there, there was a, like a historical, like a turning in which the context became more important than than it than it had been previously. So I'm thinking of like early sitcoms, things like I Love Lucy, The Honeymooners. Yeah, where it's it's basically you know people living in a in a pretty traditional setting. We have things like the Mary Tyler Moore Show, I guess, is pretty early on, and a lot of the comedy that comes from that is from the setting that they're in. But I'm thinking about things like The Office, The IT Group, Community in which it seems like a lot of the comedy is derived from from the context. Does that make sense? So in a way that's like n- not I don't think it I don't think we get the same thing from a show like Everybody Loves Raymond or even a show like Frasier. But by context do you mean like the built up continuity of the series? I think no, he means like, I mean, like some of them are workplace the comedies. Oh, okay. Yeah, like like the the setting of community 
the the fact that the comedy is derived from from that setting. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. In yeah. a way that I think everybody everybody loves Raymond, the comedy is derived from the characters. Like the characters are really funny, and they're the the context of that is just people living in a house. Yeah. But here we have we we do have funny characters, but they're also somehow I, I feel like there's an added dimension. Like the like the context becomes its own character almost. The college is is a driving force behind the comedy in a way that I don't see it in other in in some other shows. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. I and I agree with you. I don't know necessarily like when the turn is. Like, what's the first sitcom that you could point to? I mean, I'm thinking. Well, and throughout the term, like workplace sitcoms, I think do that more than traditional family sitcoms. Sure. And maybe uh, that's the division. So, like Taxi, which goes back to I want to say seventy late seventies, uh, yeah, eighties. I mean, that's a workplace sitcom that everything is driven by, you know, the people hanging out at the taxi lot. Um, yeah, or like uh, WKRP in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, cheers. Yeah. And I, what we tend to have happen in these workplace sitcoms versus the family ones is you have a group of adults that form a pseudo family. <laughs> sure. Uh, that, I mean, some of them are going to, obviously there will be romantic pairings that happen in these workplace sitcoms. I mean, it, it's a driving force for cheers. It's a driving force for the office. Uh-huh. It definitely comes up in, in community. Uh, but they're, you know, they're, they're kind of creating this adopted family and they're often, uh, you know, from, uh, they, they have strained relationships with their own families, uh-huh. um, and those kinds of things. Uh, so I think the division is workplace versus family sitcom and Frazier, even though he works at the radio station and we see a lot of that, it's a family sitcom. Yeah. I it's, think it's it, more of a family sitcom. It's not a workplace sitcom. I wonder about something like Hogan's Heroes. And that's like now MASH is certainly, is certainly a, a, a show where the context is like front and center. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, thanks for helping me think think through that. <laughs> well, I hope we got somewhere useful for you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's talk about Jeff for a minute. Yeah, and uh, so Jeff is, if, if you ever go back and watch the pilot, like he is supposed to be like the core center of the show, the, you know, the main character uh, and that is going to drive a lot of the action. And I think these two episodes that come about a year apart do show some evolution for Jeff at the start of the show. He's very self-centered. He forms a study group basically. So he doesn't have to study himself (laughs) so that he can just find out the answers from the people in the study group in conspiracy theory. You still see him kind of wrapped up in his own world and still trying to do as little work as possible. But that last shot that you, I mean, not the darkest timeline shot, but uh, the timeline where everyone's singing and he comes up and he sees them happy. And that gives him more joy than he had in any other timeline. Right. I, I think that shows something that we would not have seen from him in the first season. Okay. Um, what does Annie see in Jeff? <laughs> I don't know. So with the show, the first season, the will they, won't they kind of tension is between Jeff and Britta. Really? Yeah. And okay. it was between Troy and Annie more. Um, okay. They had some flirtations, but it shifts. And actually, they just kind of swap. <laughs> I think eventually uh, Troy and Britta end up together. Is that right, Andrew? They're the ones that have... A will they won't they arc for more seasons? Yeah, and okay. uh, Jeff Troy and, and Britta, Troy and Britta are the two that kind of bond in the in, in the bathroom the, yes, over the, the yeah, over this candy season, cigarettes. Yeah, to, and they, and they make googly eyes at each other at one point. Yeah, <laughs> yes, in the chain of googly eyes. <laughs> so I think <laughs> real quick the best part of that chain of googly eyes where the camera like pans as each character is like uh, like Annie looks at Jeff, Jeff looks awkwardly at her, and then turns, and then Britta's there, and he, he Britta turns and looks at Troy, uh, and then, and then Troy looks at Abe. <laughs> Bounces back when Troy turns. Pierce is holding the troll. So, oh yes! And so Troy looks right into the troll's eyes and screams. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty remarkable. Um, uh, both of these were, I thought, quite funny. Yeah. And so your question: What does Annie see in Jeff? I think she sees the potential for the best Jeff. That's not settling for the easiest road. And he says something about like. Uh, you know, loving people means accepting them for who they, who they are, but I think loving people is also helping them to be the best, you know, versions of who they could be. Yeah, that's an interesting, um, it's, apparently she's kind of ad-libbing at some point in that exchange. And it's never, it's never entirely clear exactly what happens. It's, it's totally farcical at the end yeah. when they're all shooting each other. <laughs> oh, and I, that- I don't think that we're supposed to make any sense of what happens. Yes. So, so that, uh, back to the chaos or uh, the conspiracy theory one. Yes. <laughs> um, 
that ending, as we said, was kind of like written on the fly, literally hours. Like they didn't know how this was going to yeah. end. And for me, that series of people getting shot with the fake gun and going down and the one person not understanding what's going on and freaking out. <laughs> um, like <laughs> it reaches the point where it stops being funny, but then it keeps going and it becomes funny again. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. <laughs> like, if they um, had stopped one short, I would have just been like, Ugh, but bringing in that security officer like pushes it over the edge again. And yeah, you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's totally absurd, and yeah. there's no way going back. Like, you couldn't recreate. Who you couldn't was recreate it really and have it make any sense? <laughs> right, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, they're all just. I mean, it's it's absurd in the in the truest sense of the word. Um, yeah. Um, actually, but it works at the end. But, but I think that they had to have the police officer come in to push it over the edge into mm-hmm. like the truly absurd. Yeah. And um, about that ending. Um, okay. Uh, I think Dan Harmon. This is a quote that my brother John had sent me that I I trimmed just to, so we could get the summary. But uh, he said the episode became a tribute to twists and ultimately an empty exercise in style. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I, one thing I like about that episode is that the empty episode uh, exercise in style about uh, the conspiracy theories is actually mirrored by the em- empty ex- exercise in style that Troy and Abed have going on with the blanket fort. Uh-huh. <laughs> that it just goes to a certain point, and now it's gone too far, and it needs to stop, yep. <laughs> basically. That's a nice parallel. I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. And uh, just so you know, Todd, uh, more and more as the seasons go on, the series starts to do like episodes that are deliberately aping a certain style. So there'll be like a documentary uh, uh-huh. uh, st- episode, or there'll be like there's a Western one with paintballs, and then they do a <laughs> science fiction version of the paintball. <laughs> you know, oh, so they keep doing different genre mashing happening. Yeah. And later on, there is a Ken Burns style documentary about a pillow uh, fort versus blanket fort war that breaks out across campus. Pillows <laughs> and blankets is an amazing episode, and they got a like. The guy who narrates tons of documentaries. Yes. Wow. It's, and, and they, the style, it looks exactly like a Ken Burns documentary. And is it whole, the whole thing start to finish is, is a it, documentary? Yes. And they do another, like, in the fifth season, there's an episode that is in the style of old G.I. Joe cartoons for the entire yeah. episode. Oh my gosh. Which is amazing. That one does okay. have a coda at the end, though. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, but, but like, complaining, I was just saying, like, he, this one becomes in some ways an exercise in style. That's what a lot of these episodes kind of become is like, if we play around with the Western genre, what do we get? Um, but the best of them still come away saying something about the characters. Um, I, I, it doesn't always work. (laughs) I think like it's a very experimental way of doing a TV show where you're switching genres from one week to the next. Yeah. Um, And I think, I think that it, it works because you have this core group of characters who are all interesting and, and they have good chemistry and they're good actors and so you can you can put them in different situations, in different styles, and they and they work. And that's I think it's a good test of of characters is how well they hold up in different contexts. And this and was these your ones, it seems like they hold up pretty well. This was one of your first exposures to these characters, right? Yeah, I mean I've seen there's oh, is it there's one where they do a Spanish like a coda with with Troy and Abed, and they do it in Spanish. And I've had students show me that video before. Yeah, but I've really seen almost nothing of this. So the, I mean, the characters get pretty well defined, but like you're saying, I think it is pretty amazing how well those, uh, they stay true to themselves even as they evolve across the five years, uh-huh. but in these different settings. What um, do you think of the, what do you think of Jeff's comment, um, when he says, we won't allow you, or I, we, we don't allow, it's not allowed for your identity to be baking things. I was going to ask you about that. Cause <laughs> <laughs> to me, okay, uh, I asked first. So yeah, uh, it, that moment feels like the writing never quite fully figured out what they were doing with Shirley. Okay. That's what it feels like to me that they needed her. Like they wanted the pie thing happening and they needed a reason for people to not be eating the pies in some timelines and to be eating them in others. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and so they came up with that. So it feels is that like a like, through line. I mean, is that something that we see out of her? Uh, in, no, like her across really. the well, show? I, like kind of a hyper nurturing does happen. Like a very, she is the matron mother figure and pushing pies is not a, yeah. Recurring okay. thing. But, but she is, uh, she's married to Malcolm Jamal Warner. <laughs> <laughs> Theo from the Cosby show. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. That's her husband who shows up occasionally. Uh, oh, cool. um, but she, uh, like her life revolves a lot more around her kids. Uh, and that often makes her an outsider within the group. Uh, uh-huh. and this kind of hyper motherliness is one of the ways that she tries to remain integrated in the group. So that is consistent, but, um, baking isn't, but I think at the end, doesn't she open up a sandwich shop? Like she kind of goes into food. 
towards the that end. That happens at some point. She yeah. opens a sandwich shop in the in the food court in the mall in the in the in the community food court. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I guess the question is if we're talking about her as a character is I mean is that just a place where the where the screenwriter stumbled or is it or is it saying something about about character and and her character? Like can you create a character based on one trait? Well, they, like like what uh, like what Abed says at the end where he says you know, you're Brit is a wild you're card. Thing. You're the, you're this, you're that. Is Baker of Goods enough of a trait, though, to hang a character on? Yes. Uh, I think you need more <laughs> as, a, as a character. And uh, I think we generally get more from Shirley than just that. Okay. Uh, okay. Like we're saying, like this idea that she is always pushing big goods, it kind of comes and goes in this one episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, I think I, it's I, really funny when she, when, when Britta really likes her pies, but then, <laughs> but then <laughs> she's appalled that, that, uh, that she's been, that she's high. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and I do have to say, like, watching it this time, I don't think I'd ever... I didn't notice it the earlier time I've watched it, that uh, those pies, they finish really fast. When she goes downstairs, they come out, like, black. <laughs> yes. And But then when Britta eats them, like, they've been out for ten seconds, and Britta's just stuffing them in her face, and they've cooled yes. down enough. So whatever's <laughs> going on in that oven, I don't know. It's just uh, the whims of what's needed for the storyline, obviously. We need one but, of those, yes. But when you start to look at it, you're like, mm, that doesn't hold up. So you've written a question here, and I think it's a pretty interesting question about the timelines. This is actually from my brother John. He just had that as the tag on his okay. the, the trivia that he sent us. So the question is: Was it was the dark the the darkest timeline the one at the end? Is that really the darkest timeline, or is it the one where everyone had a falling out? So the one when Abed goes down, you end up with people like almost making a connection, and then it just yeah <laughs> shattering badly. Uh, so within those, you had. Uh, Pierce and Troy had a conversation about why Troy, Troy moved out. So Pierce is giving this troll gift as, uh, he's, he's giving being out of a troll. Yeah, he's giving it out of anger because Troy has moved out. But Troy, in this, in that timeline, he has a heart to heart with him and Pierce decides he doesn't want to give it, but then Troy insists on being housewarmed. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, the others were, uh, Britta eating the pies and, uh, that makes Shirley really happy until Shirley finds out that Britta's high and then she can't have that because Shirley's the uh, religious conservative one in the group and uh, Britta's kind of the free spirit hippie <laughs> in the group uh, and then uh, Annie and Jeff almost had a romantic moment <laughs> but then Annie said he just reminded me of my father which no don't <laughs> like Jeff's rude when he gives the advice but it's good advice <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it ruins their moment and so when, when Ahmed comes up and he's completely oblivious to this uh that's when, uh, you know, ev- everyone else has kind of splintered and they're just standing angrily staring at each other, right? Yeah. When Abed yeah. comes in. Yeah, so the question is, is it worse to have this this whole huge tragedy? Emotional fracturing? Right. The f- there's the physical and the f- like. just the physical comedy, the farce of that whole situation. <laughs> <laughs> the fire it and the... It is an amazing, like, one minute of film to, like, do this yeah. Rube Goldberg... <laughs> In, yeah, you know, machine really of how bad can we make this? It's a, that's exactly what it is. I mean, I think emotionally, the other one is certainly darker. Yeah, I mean, once you have an actual death in the other one, it's hard <laughs> to claim it's darker. Uh, but as like for a viewer, like the farce of the physical comedy has you busting a gut, right? But that other timeline, people are saying like mean things that you understand the motivation of where these mean things are coming uh-huh. from, uh, and it's leavened some by like Troy's performance as he's screaming at Pierce. Uh, and when he screams, when he sees the yeah. troll doll, it is hilarious. <laughs> Troy having a meltdown is one of their go-to bits of comedy in Community. Like the, uh, It's somewhere in season one there is the first time they had him have a meltdown. It's like episode three. Uh, but I remember, the, I think I saw that commentary and the writer said, once we saw that, we said, <laughs> this is a way, like, our get-out-of-free card for any scene <laughs> is right in a Troy meltdown. <laughs> so... Speaking of Troy and Abed, there are these kind of I mean, J- Jeff. Jeff makes fun of Troy because because he seems immature, and you know they're totally into pop culture, and they're building blanket forts, and they just they're like <laughs> little then, boys. In, yes. in and now they've moved in together. So the second episode is their housewarming party uh, right. at their new apartment. And they've, I, I think it's worth noting, they've read a book about how to host a party. <laughs> From the 1940s? <laughs> <just> nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're 
dressed identically. <laughs> yes, and even like uh, when Britta's in the bathroom, uh, when Troy and Britta have the scene where they're actually like talking and having a heart to heart in the bathroom, she says, "Like, why is there a bowl of olives on the toilet?" And he just his only response is, "It's a fancy party." For <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you make of those guys and this like hyper? Uh, what will we call it? Like infantilization of these of these characters Does, is is that i mean i don't see a big change between them they've moved out but they're essentially as characters the same as they from one episode to the next yeah their um efforts to build the best blanket fort and their efforts to host the best housewarming party have the same kind of straining comedic value yeah so is there i guess maybe the question is is there an arc to that where we see them mature over time and that this is you know something about growing up or are they just the same from start to finish i i can't remember where they land at the end of uh, troy actually leaves is it for the sixth season or is he out at the fifth season andrew uh, partway through fifth, he, he, he leaves, um, the actor who plays Troy has a career as a rapper and is oh, in really? other, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, like he was in the, the movie, the Martian, he was in that. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Very different role. Yeah. <laughs> in the Martian. Um, uh, oh my gosh, I, I, I can't I, believe it's the same guy. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think how much they changed. So Troy, when he starts in the series, he is kind of living his glory days from high school. He was the high school quarterback at the ha- same high school Annie was, okay. was in. And it, this is kind of like his hard fall and trying to grow up and face reality. Like he has his Letterman's jacket Yeah, he's on. still wearing his Letterman's jacket in the first episode um, from high school. Uh, whereas Annie was, uh, when he realizes who it was, like they never were in the same social circles at school, but I think he calls her Annie Adderall. Like she had a nervous yeah. breakdown at and, the end of the year because she was trying to was hooked ace on, everything. Hooked on some pills. Yeah. And so that's how she ended up at the community uh, college. In community okay, college. I was wondering yeah. about that because she seems like she's operating at a different level academically than <laughs> she seems yes. like a university yes. student. <laughs> yes. Which I, I mean, we don't want to make needless <laughs> divisions there, but yeah, that's why. Like, she doesn't seem like she'd be in the same going to the same classes as sure. Troy, who's kind of blowing everything yeah. off. Jeff ends up at the community college because he was a lawyer uh, who got his job because of his law degree from Columbia, but his law degree is from a mail-in thing from the country of Columbia, <laughs> yeah. not from the University of Columbia. <laughs> and so, that got discovered. <laughs> someone says, I thought you had a degree from Columbia. He's like, yeah, now they want one from America. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Pierce is, uh, like a wealthy guy who's never had to work in his life and he's yeah. just looking for something to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he takes community college okay. classes and kind of ends up within this group. Surely never went to college. Never went to college and is now trying to, I, I think at the start, her husband has left her and so yeah. she's going to college so that she can support herself. Uh, and he kind of comes and, her, and goes and her throughout kids. the series. Yeah. So the backstory for all of these characters are, are interesting and interesting enough. I mean, I think it's, it's part of the reason why they work as characters is because, there's enough of a backstory for them to go off of and to kind of know who they are, to see their motivations. Um, I guess it's just, it's interesting for me to think about, are these like, you know, rocks that have been tossed into space and will just continue on the same trajectory forever? Or do we, do we see them changing over time? I know there's some specific moments where people try and pull Abed specifically Uh a little more forward. And I think when Troy and Britta, get together, uh, he becomes a little more okay. mature. Is that right, Andrew? Does it sound right? Um, yeah, but in, in many ways, his core is, is very much the same. Yeah. Abed, specifically, I think, is a character you would want to see more episodes of because um, he is one of those kind of socially awkward but really sure. uh, uh, hyper-knowledgeable about the thing that he cares uh, about, which they, in this case is popular. They talk there. about him being on the spectrum for yeah. autism somewhere. Yeah, and um, they do an episode... I think we may have mentioned this in the podcast, but they do an episode that's inspired by Law and Order. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, and in that, uh, there's a moment where the dean yells at Abed something like, Abed, you're weird. Why can't you solve okay. this? And Abed says, like, I do see patterns everywhere on all of my television shows. People who have autism or are on the spectrum are solving crimes <laughs> left and right. And then he just walks out of the yeah. room. <laughs> like, so he does this little monologue uh-huh. about characters like Bones and, uh, you know, there's any number of In elementary, you've got Sherlock Holmes. Um, And so he gets presented in that way. And I think uh, that's one reason why they don't change him too much. They kind of say this just is who he is. But I think that also makes it like his... uh, Troy and Ovid have one of my favorite friendships in all of television (laughs) history, which makes me like Troy even more that he he puts up with 
you know, Abed's quote unquote weirdness right. that a lot of other people find off putting and Troy just embraces it wholeheartedly. <laughs> I love it when he says, Oh, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And then he, oh, what does he say? get out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great line. Yeah. Just, um, yeah. Like, like sometimes you're interested in a show because, because the characters are super compelling and you want to see them change. And sometimes the show is compelling because it's just a fun show. And it seems like from what I've heard of this, this is just a fun show. And, yeah, and, and they think... do really interesting things stylistically to maybe gloss over the fact that these characters don't seem to don't there doesn't seem to be a ton of uh of change over time. I, I mean when when your premise is community college, like you kind of lock yourself into a four year lifespan. Sure. <laughs> or it should. Well, I mean, the show somehow managed six. Um, and because of that, I think that's one reason why also you can't have too much evolution because evolution would be mean leaving and going on, which I think is a rut that a lot of shows, any long running show falls into, even if the premise isn't community college. I, I think like the TV show friends probably ran into some, some storylines. I haven't watched any friends, but I just imagine like that show was on for a decade. Some, some of those characters should have been moving on to the next stage of right. their life. <laughs> Versus hanging out in the coffee shop. Uh, Frazier's finale is the characters all moving on to the next stage of their life. And they say they managed to save it for the finale, but it did start to feel after a while, like, is anyone going to be moving on from where we're at right, right. now? Um, uh, but something like a community college, I think you kind of have to create uh, a limbo <laughs> where these characters can exist if the show is going to carry on in any way that looks like where it began. But, but or, don't or you, that but do you that feel premise. like it maybe loses a sense of, a sense of plausibility or plausibility is no, not a concern I, that community has. <laughs> I mean, I, I understand um, what you're saying, but at the same time in a community college, I mean, I work at a, I work at a small college. It's not a community college, but, but we have a, we have a lot of non-traditional students that are here and man, I just, I admire them so much because the whole reason that they're there is because they're trying to, they're trying to change their life, you know? And they're trying to, and yeah, to and make it, they're trying to make it better and they're, they're learning and they're struggling and they're, they don't seem to be stuck in limbo to me. I would say quite the opposite. They, it seems like they're there because they, because they really are trying to change and make their, yeah, make their I, that, situation better. That's the premise we have at the start of the series. But once it starts to take its nosedive into absurdism, it, uh, it kind of leaves that behind. They basically change from whatever they were to what to they what are. They in are. Community and, then college. They, and then they, and, basically and then they basically stay there. that way for the, for the duration of the show. Yeah. And the things that this show I think does best are not commentaries about these characters, but commentaries about our popular culture. And they do that through Abed. They do it through their yeah. genre mashing where, uh, you know, where, where we see Western tropes being played out in kind of a unique way, but also make a commentary about it. And there's one where it does a comedy style like the office uh-huh. or modern family. And Abed is the one making this documentary. And he, he, like, he says something like doing this style. I realize how freeing it is. Cause any exposition that I need, I'll just do a headshot. And then it cuts to like three headshots explaining what every character's motivations <laughs> are. And then it comes back to him. And he's like, see shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, it's poking at, Modern Family and The Office yeah. and other sitcom styles, but it also will poke at itself. So, so I think what I enjoy most about this show, this show, even as I say, I love characters like Troy and you know that performance, and I love some of the you know the zaniness of this. It's being uh, someone who loves popular culture and the tropes of popular culture. It, the more you're into that thing, I think the more you'll get into uh, community, particularly probably from the tail end of season one on. Right, Andrew? Is that when it really starts to delve into that? Yeah. Because it starts out again as a fairly traditional sitcom. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really quite traditional for half a season mm-hmm. um, before they really are are doing. I think it's a paintball episode plots. is what most people point to. Which I, that's that the, the season finale of the first episode. Yeah, and that's the the definite turning point. And that's when they go all out. Um, they knew they had um, you know months to clean up the set. And so they made a mess. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it goes all out into a different genre than uh, what you'd think a sitcom at a community college would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean they make they make Scarface jokes. They make. I mean, I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy to, to just you know accept this for what it is. I just think it's interesting what it is, yeah. right? And it's mm-hmm. it's different than a lot of the other stuff that we've talked about. And in a, in in this podcast, we have focused on great characters and great stories. And these characters are funny, and they're interesting, 
but they're maybe not as dynamic as some of the other other characters that we've seen. And the thing that makes this show stand out isn't really the characters. It's really it's the craft. It's the way that it's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which absolutely. which is fine uh, and 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 yeah. cool and makes for a, a couple of really funny episodes. <laughs> really funny episodes <laughs> and and the difference in tone and uh, structure and the way that they're carried out is pretty, you know, it's pretty striking. It's, it's obvious in both of these that you're dealing, you're not dealing with a typical sitcom. This isn't, I love Lucy. It's not everybody loves Raymond. It's something entire, entirely different. And I can't imagine, I mean, besides I've mentioned how hard, like some of the behind the scenes between the network and which I'm sure the notes from the network are, uh, well, I know it because there's one season that begins with a musical number that says we're going to be a little less weird, <laughs> but it's done in a musical <laughs> number, but it, they're talking about notes they get from the network, uh, in doing that. Um, I can't imagine the actual like physical production of like directing and building the sets and, you know, figuring out the editing process for stories that go the places yeah. that these, just these two episodes go. But like from week to week, you're going to have a Ken Burns documentary <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and you don't know, then one's going to be a GI Joe commercial. Like you don't know, uh, what's going to come next. It had to be a very unique production <laughs> style that was happening behind the scenes. Yeah. It, you have to have a combination of like somebody with enough, with enough vision and like backbone <laughs> just say, yeah, this is what we're, what, what we're doing. But you also have to have a set of actors and, and a, and a crew involved from top to bottom of people who are willing to say, okay, let's do it. You know? Yeah. Uh, one, uh, a pair of directors that, uh, kind of cut their teeth a lot on community and got fairly well known, uh, are the Russo brothers who went on direct, uh, Captain America winter soldier as their first, I think it was their wow. first film. Mm-hmm. They went from community to Captain America winter soldier. <laughs> now they're doing uh Captain Civil America war. civil war. And one thing they've said is, is, uh, we got used to having a lot of characters that had to like have a clear voice and clear screen time and clear motivation yeah. <laughs> from doing community. Cause seven is a pretty big cast to balance. Yeah, it is. And then when you add in Dean Pelton that, you know, they're up to eight characters that are getting uh, screen time in most episodes. Yeah, Dean, Dean and Pelton's meltdown at the end of the, it's <laughs> 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 a pretty great, it's a, it's a pretty great piece of acting. I loved it. Uh, it just, I don't think it was mentioned, but it, there's a little through line that he spends his time in his office writing his book. Yes. <laughs> uh, was it Dean Dangerous and his time yes. desk? And part of his meltdown is him screaming, time travel's really hard to write about. <laughs> <laughs> what, that this were a time hoodie? <laughs> <laughs> and then just imagine that man on the Oscar stage receiving an award for best screenplay. <laughs> Yeah. that shows a uh, range of talent. I think I, well, and I, most of these actors, you know, this is a sitcom that kind of ran its course and was never hugely highly rated, but most of them are, you know, still working and, you know, have plenty well, of projects Chevy that Ch- are going I mean, on. Chevy Chase's. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that he has his own chapter when we talk about behind the scenes drama. Really? <laughs> <laughs> the community, yes. Um, but I, I think it says something about the level of creative quality that's going on that you have someone like Dean Pelton, who's this very broad side character that, is like in his alter ego is an award-winning writer. And I think that's the kind of, uh, like you said, it, it takes a level of creativity from everyone involved to pull off this kind of a show. Yeah. I think, uh, so one of the questions that we often ask is, um, what, what legitimate, what legitimately makes this character better than other characters in this story or in other stories. And I think, I mean, my answer would be, I don't think there's anything that makes these characters so much better than any other characters in any other stories. I think what makes this, a great story is the the style and the this like the freewheeling kind of nature of the show and the, just mm-hmm. the zany absurd way that they're able to uh, jump from one idea to the next and the characters are kind of along for the ride. Yeah, and I I mean we broke down a bunch of those characters real quick and I think there's interesting things there that help to carry them through. Yeah. Uh, but absolutely the star of community is the style of the show and the, you know, the, the varying formats that they have. And again, the commentary about American popular culture, yeah. uh, that is embedded within a lot of cool. these. Any other final words on this? No, I think we're good. Okay. That wraps up this episode. Thanks for joining us. Uh, please subscribe to the protagonist podcast in iTunes and please leave us a review there. Uh, we have a lot of reviews and I love it. And uh, I just, uh, I want to keep them uh, coming. 
Uh, it really helps with our listenership, uh, which is growing every week. We have links to things we've talked about in, the, in this episode at protagonistpodcast.com. Uh, that's also where you can find a list of all of our shows. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at protagonistpod. I'm at Todd K. Mack. Uh, he's at Jay Dorowski. Our producer, Andrew, is at Andrew underscore Dorowski. And our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. If you want to like, if you like this show and want to uh, support us with a financial donation, there are different ways you can do it. Uh, you can buy a topic for us to discuss or just show your appreciation for the show with a monetary donation. Uh, to do that, you can click on the support link on our homepage or you can go to patreon.com slash protagonist. Uh, you can also go to protagonistpodcast.com slash Amazon and make all of your Amazon purchases there. Uh, again, it looks exactly like regular Amazon, uh, but we get a little bit of money from, uh, from your purchases. And it doesn't cost you anything more. It just gives us, takes a little money out of Amazon's pocket and puts it in ours where it belongs. Uh, <laughs> and finally, don't forget to sign up for a 30 day free trial of audible.com by going to audibletrial.com slash protagonist. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, and we'll be back again next week to discuss another great character and a great story. So long. So long. If it was a full second off, then I think he, then uh, then we'll know that I was I went the wrong direction. <laughs> if I'm recalling correctly, I think you were three points ahead, Dodd. <laughs> <laughs>